listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files podcast, Guitar Tech podcast. My name is Eric Daw. I'm a longtime guitar builder and repairman. And today's co-host is my buddy, Nat. Hello, Hello. Nat. Hello. I just want to say hi to everybody. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Thank you. Now that the rules are established. Yeah. Ground rules. <laughs> tell us tell us some stuff. What's on your bench lately? Uh, you know, I spend a lot of time shipping stuff. Books yeah. and books and pickups and pick cards and stickers and Oh, you've been doing some Yeah. Some pick cards, huh? Or at least that's what I was doing today. Today I was you know, I took a few days off. It was a holiday weekend. Oh, I've heard of it, yeah. Long long weekend, took a little trip, took some time off. That's good. Yeah. And I came back, and every time I do, there's like uh, around 20, 25 emails for every day that I was gone. Yeah, all of a sudden. So uh, yeah. I have like 150 emails to wade through. Uh, and, you know, it's giving people estimates and addressing whatever questions they might have and... Yeah. Filling orders for whatever. So it it's, takes half a day just to get caught up from missing a few days. But that's fine. I'm not complaining. It's, it's just drawing on your experience. Yeah. And you're. it's good that you give them full due diligence, try to help them out, instead of just say, well, I got a million of these, so I'll just skip, skip, skip. <laughs> that's good. Uh, what else is on my bench? I am... Uh, in the process of finishing up a custom guitar, mm-hmm. a blue sparkle, me- metallic blue sparkle. Oh man! Uh, like like uh, Don Rich or how? No, no, how no. Blue. What are we? Well, it's like a sparkle. Yeah, it's like the Lake Placid. Oh, sort of normal. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, T style guitar that'll be done here in a week or two, That's maybe maybe color. even less. Yeah, with rosewood, pretty. Yeah, pretty rosewood, rosewood fingerboard. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's neat. And I have a bunch of still I'm I'm still working through. Uh, there's just so many guitars that have gotten dried out over the winter. Oh yeah, yep. Cracked acoustics and sharp fret edges and all that jazz. And it's always a surprise to Mister Customer when I have to explain to them what's going on with their guitar. Yeah. Like, well, I've had guitars for thirty years and I don't humidify them well put them in front of the heat register you need to start yeah boy i did last week 
humidified your guitar? I really did. Yeah. Um, we had a, a little bit of a flood going on in town. Yeah. And it was kind of awful and a little bit scary. It never got bad, but boy, I felt powerless. But my big old stand-up K bass is just doing great. <laughs> just <laughs> really soaked it in. So did your basement flooded a little bit. It flooded a tiny bit, but I've got a little sump hole down there yeah. that uh, caught all of it and nothing got even to carpet. But, oh, I mean, it was clear. I was out in the street trying to clear drains and... It was clear that there was nothing I could do. It was yeah. weird. I was lucky here. My house is a little bit higher elevation than yours. and Yeah, just a little bit. And bigger eaves would help, you know. Yeah, we didn't have any problems. Yeah. But it was a, a unique event. Like So this was last week. I think we got a month's worth of rain in an afternoon. In like an hour. And hail and it, all it the, was weird. All the underpasses in town were like five feet deep of water yeah. and many of the, uh, you know, arterial streets had just turned into like, they look like canals. It looked yeah. like, it looked like Venice. Yeah, in, in it town. really did. And people were wrecking their cars and getting water in them. And it was, yeah, that was, was wild. Weird. That was wild. Glad it didn't, uh, didn't get worse. Yeah. Well, we have a few, uh, <clears throat> no, wait, we have one call to take. Oh, we do. Yeah. And we have uh, a bunch of questions, so let's do it. We'll get right into uh, get right into the meat here. And this is from Bob. Hi, Eric. This is Bob in Boulder County, Colorado. Mm. I discovered your podcast from Skip and Jason over at the TAVA Truth About Vintage Amps. And I've listened to episode one and your most recent episode, so I've got a lot of catching up to do. I am fortunate enough to be able to be the guardian of a 1960 Gibson ES-345 guitar. Oh, boy. And it needs a neck reset. And I have some very capable loopiers here in the... Uh, front range of Colorado, but nobody wants to take that job on. They what? have no issues with laptop neck resets. But I wanted to talk, get your input on resetting the neck on a Gibson ES-style guitar. Number one, have you done one or multiple ones? If not, um, what should I do? Hmm. And how much should it cost? Thanks so yeah. much. I look forward to hearing all the 170 episodes that I should catch up on. Good. Bye. Good. Thanks, Great. Bob. Well, you know, if you're working your way through the podcast here, I will tell you the early episodes are not that good. Oh. I, I think it gets better as you go along. So don't get frustrated on those first couple of ep- episodes yeah, where stick with it. Where I'm uh, awkwardly talking to myself. You're finding your way in a dark room. Gibson ES-335 neck resets are not fun. So most shops, most repair shops, even if they do flat top, you know, acoustic neck resets, Mm -hmm. they might turn down and probably will turn down a 335 neck reset. Well, that surprised me. I thought, now surely these experienced luthiers are able to do that. It's not some crazy guitar. It's got no... Taylor neck or no trouble. Does it's it? there's two problems. 
with resetting the neck on a 335. Uh, and they're related. The first problem is it rarely needs to be done. Okay. So yeah. it's an odd problem that you don't see often. Mm-hmm. And since you don't see it often, no one's got any experience doing them. Yeah, you don't so know tricks and tips and those nuances. Are, right, so those are the two problems. Uh, and so I've done, I think I've done two of them over the years. And I've, I couldn't even count how many acoustic guitar neck resets I've done. I don't know how many I've done. Probably a lot. countless. But 335s and Les Paul style, you know, Gibson solid body neck resets. Yeah, they don't need them. Are different. It's very rare. Huh. It's very rare for one to need an neck reset. Huh. And so when you have one that does, it's hard to find somebody that has any experience. Um, and so it's one of those things where most most guys don't really want you know want to start, especially on a vintage one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. That does. Never mind. I'm not doing it either. And especially since um, you know the the touch-up that yeah. is probably going to be involved. Yeah, forget it. Those just aren't made to come apart Mm-mm. like, say, a Martin guitar, you know, is. Yeah. On an acoustic guitar neck reset, it's a known quantity. We, we've we got a dovetail joint. We've got a hot hide glue. We, you know, we know where to drill an access hole to put steam in the joint. With a Gibson, we're working with a different it's a, it's like a it's like it's not a dovetail it's like a oh, it's a tenon it's like it? a tenon yeah and there's no real way to it's it's hard to steam the joint it's hard to heat the glue and steam the joint and release the bond oh because man. there's not like a gap like like with a right like with a traditional acoustic guitar you've got a big gap underneath the dovetail the whole length of the dovetail you shoot steam in there and yeah. you're heating up the whole joint like it was made for it versus the other ones they were yeah. made to just last forever and be yeah. very high quality solid guitars huh so i'm not excited about doing one and i'm probably never going to do one again oh man i didn't know it was that bad <laughs> i'm glad this yeah. question came up this is I, this yeah. is good stuff the two that i did were when i worked in seattle and one of them my foot in the door was we had a 335 that the neck was coming off. Okay, that's so there halfway were, there. Yeah, so there was already like a gap. Yep. So, okay, I can shoot steam into this gap, get it the rest of the way off, you know. Yep. And then I think I did one more that, I don't know, somebody twisted my arm. But, yeah, that's going to be... I don't know who the guy is. Like, who's the guy? Who's the 335 yeah, neck guy. reset guy? There's a guy, you know? Yeah, the guy on the internet, for sure. We got to find that guy. I'd love to know. If you're that guy and you're listening to the show, Give me, drop me a line. Or if you know who that guy is, there's got to be yeah. a guy. They're like a 335 neck reset specialist. And the and that awful make it look like it never happened. Oh, yeah, right, it, right, that, right. That criterion sounds awful. Yeah, and it's... Um, God, especially if it's like cherry or, yeah, uh-huh. you know, yeah, 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 not excited about doing that. Don't send it to me. Sorry. So. Oh, and he also <laughs> said, how much would something like this cost? Yeah. 
I'm guessing like 700, between 500 and 1,000 bucks probably. Oh, boy. Seriously. A neck, yeah. just, just a, like a traditional dovetail neck reset, you know, will run you four, five, yeah. 500 bucks. An easy one's 400 bucks, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. So I would guess, you know, somewhere around seven or 800 bucks is probably what a guy would charge to do that. Yeah, well. That's my guess. Condolences and uh, confirmation yeah. that, yeah, it's pretty tough. Thanks for listening. You know, speaking of guitar repair prices, I just raised mine. Oh, boy. And I kind of, I I had a little bit of a bitter taste in my mouth about doing it. I really don't want to, but it accomplishes two things. I think that um, it's going to weed out some of the stuff that I don't want to do. I don't, yeah. you know, I really don't want to restring Daisy Rock guitars and yeah. glue together Esteban guitars. Or repaint pointy ones. So I think it weeds out some of the stuff I don't want to do. And um, I don't know, it establishes, you know, like... Higher, higher value, it's right? Bit, yeah, it's a different niveau. It's a, <laughs> Thank you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to help out. Thank it's you. a benchmark of quality. Thank like you. the old joke of the lawyer who wanted to get out of the business, so he started raising his prices, and he got more business. Yeah. Because people are like, ooh, this guy's good. But it's not, uh, I got to tell you, I did a lot of research into average guitar repair prices around the country. Mm-hmm. Charts and, and graphs. Huh? Yeah. And it seems to me, it's, and this surprised me. Look, let me tell you. When I started out in the 90s, I think we were charging 45 bucks an hour. Sounds right. I moved to Seattle. Pretty soon it's 60 bucks an hour. It's a big city, cool shop. We raised it to 80 bucks an hour eventually. Oh my gosh. They've been charging since I left. They've, uh, they still do repairs there. They have a very capable guy named Tyler. They charge a hundred bucks an hour now. Well worth it. And I looked around, and most um, professional shops—that's about the median of what they're charging. Wow, ninety, hundred bucks an hour. So I was eighty. I I raised it to a hundred. So yeah. shop shop rate well, effective tomorrow, June first, twenty twenty three. Well, they're, they're going to beat a path to your door because. Well, let me have, offer a little commentary, a little economic analysis. You know, I had a little eye surgery done lately, and yeah. um, they talk about price a little bit. And I said, "No, you don't understand. I always I'll buy discount food." But sure. I'm actually not looking for discount eye surgery. Yeah, you're gonna you're you're probably gonna use it every day. Hey, and the guy that did it uh, went to a good college on a violin scholarship. Wow. Yeah, this is one dexterous son of a gun. He's the guy. Yeah, he is a guy, and he's a nice guy, and did a great job. But I think, by the same token, like, do you want the cheapest guy to take the neck off your three thirty five? Yeah, mm, no, probably not. So it, yeah, it's a little sign of quality. I, I'm not one to toot my own horn. I don't like to brag. No, I'm just saying, people send me guitars from all over the country. Yeah, it's an established fact. Yeah, they just show ask, up. Ask the UPS man; he could tell you. 
they show up. So uh, with that in mind, I think I should probably, you know, keep up with the prices of what people are charging. Right. For sure. You know, so that's that. Hey, you're a specialist. And that's great. That's a great place to be. You've arrived. Thank you. Uh, now Good I don't job. have to. I didn't have to say. I'll it. horn your own toot. There you go. Oh, I appreciate it. You want to? What uh, should we do? Should I do a thing? Well, let's take a little break, and then we'll uh, then yeah. we'll we'll read some letters. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Imagine always having fresh roasted coffee in your home. Now, imagine you didn't even have to leave the house for it. A subscription with Apex Coffee Roasters makes all of this possible. You choose the plan that best suits your needs, and they handle the rest. Their roaster will select a coffee option just for you and send it your way. Discounts are applied if you get a six-month or a year-long subscription. And shipping included if you're in the USA. Great coffee every morning. Just cut a little bit easier. That's apexcoffeeroasters.com. And if you go there and use my promo code, you get an additional 10% off. That's pinup, P-I-N-U-P. That's at apexcoffeeroasters.com. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music, you can order a neck straightening iron, some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I, I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I, I, think it, I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've, I've used a lot. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com they're $7.49 I know that seems like a lot it's it's a tool I tell you what it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over if you go to playersgearmusic.com scroll down on the main page scroll 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 down to where it says fan of the fret files podcast you click that that adds one to your cart and it's 50 bucks off. So instead of 749, it's 699. 699, free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron, playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out and don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. Hi, Eric. Howdy. I have a friend who works in air traffic control. Apparently, it's one of the most stressful jobs you could possibly have. I've heard that before. Yeah, I think so. They're under stress, man. They tried to um, have a big old walkout and that old Ronnie Ray gun. He said, heck no. I remember that. Yep. Busted all the unions. And then since then, things been awful. Anyway, he was... <laughs> Sorry for that. He was telling me about it, and it made me wonder how stressful different jobs are. 
I would guess that being a luthier is, how do you think he's going to finish this? Pretty low stress. But I would love to hear your opinion on it. What are your thoughts? How stressful is your job? That's Chad. <laughs> oh, Chad. And I, here's an interesting thing. I don't mean to preempt this, but I don't know. You just go. Just go. Oh, How stressful uh, no, is your no, day no, job? No, no, come on. You've got to finish that Well, I that just thought. wonder. Like, the grass is always greener. Things are relative. Sure. We can also find awful things. Okay, I'll say I. I can also find, you know, any dark cloud, you know, fringed with a silver lining. I'll see that dark cloud. But So it's hard to know. I think we provide our own level of stress. Yeah. And we always want something more. And so that that's an interesting question. Maybe you don't know how tough... Yeah. It's, Other jobs are. it's a cool question, Chad. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody's ever asked me this before, and so I, I kind of like it. Yeah, it's good. And it made me think about it. And certainly it's not, I don't think, it's not as stressful as something like air traffic control. No one's life is depending on me getting a repair right. I bet people cry, though. Where people who are pushing tin around in the sky... There's there's people up in those planes, man. Yeah, and you, a, you screw that up, and and you know, a hundred people might die. What if their bosses are mean? On top of that, dang it! Imagine <laughs> That's that. That's awful. People might die, and your boss is mean. Yeah. Uh, so no, I don't think my job is high on the um the stress index. However. When I worked at Emerald City Guitars in Seattle, I think it was a lot higher stress than it is now. Yeah. I work for I work for myself now. Um and typically I'm able to just, you know, manage the time the way that I see fit and people are pretty accommodating and understanding. When I was working in a big city with with working musicians and a staff of people and, it's, you know. It's prestigious and yeah. you're working, you're visible there too. I don't know sure. if people understand this, but you'd be behind this little window with an open door and uh Sliding glass. Yeah. Windowed room. Yeah. Um, the problem that I would run into, and I'm sure, and you know, let me, let me preempt this by saying the people at Emerald City Guitars were amazing. They're still, what. they're friends, close friends of mine to this day. Yeah. I, I love them. They've been good people. Yeah. I love them. Uh, but occasionally we would have communication problems or, you know, I would have my day kind of lined out because I would have guitar X, Y, and Z that needed to get done like that day because I've got musicians with gigs that need their guitar for that gig or what have you. And then I would come to work and find out, okay, this salesman sold this guitar and it needs to ship today. But before it mm. ships, it needs to have this, this, and this done. And my boss is trying to buy a vintage guitar and needs me to take it completely apart and authenticate it. And so, you know, what I'd already had a full day planned out. Yeah. And I show up to work and find out, okay, I have to choose which one of these fires gets put, put out. Yep professional differences of opinion and understanding. And Man. it was nobody's fault. It's mm-hmm. just, it was stressful in the sense of time man- management and trying to get everybody's stuff done 
And then while you're feeling that way, the repairs have to be flawless. Yep. So everyone has to be satisfied. It's pretty tough. It actually was pretty high stress, in my opinion. I would be pretty stressed out there sometimes. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's a lower volume now working for myself. I I, I do lower volume of repair, and typically they're more extensive repairs. Mm -hmm. So fewer guitars with more problems, right? More involved. And it's not like a... It's not like a big city where I'm working on a uh, a guy's guitar who needs it for a gig that night. Yeah, there's less throughput. Like, yeah, yeah. Like less urgency and yeah. uh, sheer throughput. Yeah, so how stressful is my job currently? I would say very low stress. My life in general is pretty low stress. Well, you you got a few things going for you, and you got the, you work out of your home, not in in your home, which might be a little bit more stressful, you know? Yeah. And then every now and again you say, I believe I'll go to the post office. Yeah, that's correct. That's fun for you. Uh, but thanks, Chad. That was a cool question. I appreciate it. That is interesting. And that, that's the the more uh, emotional, philosophical side of Luthi Eaton. I like that. <laughs> All right, let's try this. Hello. I was reading in your book, Solid Sound, how you say you almost never shield electric guitar cavities. This surprised me. I really thought that a nice shielding job with copper foil was the mark of a great electric guitar. Mm. Can you expound on why you don't often shield electric guitars? And if you do, when and why do you make exceptions? Mm. Thanks, Mark in Delaware, USA. Thanks, Mark. It's a very erudite and well-written question. And I like how he kind of... It was kind of a demure approach like um i thought this was my understanding you know he doesn't make claims he said i really thought that nice shielding was the thing a lot of people yep now a lot of people feel that way yep and a lot of shops a lot of repair shops feel that way like they don't hardly a guitar passes through their shop that doesn't get the old foil treatment they give her the copper huh the, and With they take pictures of oh, yeah, they're real proud of it yeah they're it's, real proud it's kind of a retrofit look at what i did yeah they post pictures on their instagram radio frequency energy yeah. in its tracks here's the problem most shielding jobs that guys do at home or even professionally if they don't really know what they're doing makes the hum worse it's an antenna yeah oh dang it Every little bit needs to be grounded, and you've got to have continuity throughout. People don't understand this. And, and it's not so, a wire. There's probably weird eddy things going on. Yeah. And weird. Yeah. Man. So they'll take, like, for example, say a Strat has those three individual pickup routes, and people will just put foil in there and not, 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 connect, not it. connect it, not ground it, you know. All of that needs to be grounded, and it all needs continuity throughout. Now, let's say you know that, and let's say you do a good job at it. Okay, so now you've got a good shielding okay. job. Uh, most guitars with hum problems, the hum is coming from the pickup, not really from the wiring. 
So people oh, go okay. people go overboard shielding like the cavity on a telly right. thinking it's going to change the world. When the reality is 90% of that hum <clears throat> that hum is coming from the pickups because if you think about how much wire is in a guitar it's all in the pickups thousands of turns mm-hmm. of wire on that coil around the magnet and Try, then, trying to pick up this trying to generate and, and uh, pick up and then you have to amplify yeah. this magnetic field right trying to do that and so Really, shielding guitar cavities doesn't really do much. It's not the whole problem. That's right. That's and, a good understanding. I like that. And very, uh, you know, a lot of other guitars, like, say, Gibson-style guitars, they already have shielded wire. So mm-hmm. shielding the cavity is just unnecessary. Mm-hmm. The wire is shielded already. It's braided, shielded wire. Yep. The pickups on a Gibson are reverse-wound um, you know, hum-canceling humbuckers, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> With metal covers over them that that shield the whole pickup. Yeah. Right? So, you know, it's just... It's pretty uh, uh, unnecessary, in my opinion. Fender-style guitars have a little more hum. You can quiet it a little bit by shielding it. But in my experience, it's not enough to really justify how ugly it is to shield a guitar. It's a front to nature. Yeah, and I you, think it is. You didn't shield the front of them. Yeah, you know? right. You know, so to pivot your body a little bit and see what that does. Yeah. Well, how and interesting. People, people will line the pit guard with foil, you know. But I'm sitting here looking at a Dan Electro guitar hanging on the wall. Nat Daniel was nuts about shielding. And they're really? very, they're very quiet guitars, uh, huh. because the pickup is completely encased in a shielded yeah lipstick dealy. lipstick you know chrome mm-hmm. cover and then shielded wire and then a little shielded box around the electronics. So they're very they're very quiet. In fact, the original Dan Electros used to come with a little sticker on the headstock that said "Totally Shielded." Oh, yeah, he was really proud of the fact that they were shielded. Yeah. Well, he was, I think he was a Navy electronics man. Yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Did he just take classes? Those Navy electronics guys were some of the most advanced. They did great jobs. So if you are really, really sensitive to it, or if you sit in front of a computer with your guitar all the time, you know, recording tracks, um, yeah, I can see, I can understand shielding a Strat or a Tele. For me, I just want to, I don't mind that noise floor at all. I know you don't, yeah. It really doesn't bother me at all. But um, if it bothers my customer, then I'll shield a guitar. So that's when I'll make the exception, is if a, cus- if a customer really says, hey, I want this shielded, I'll, I'll do it up for you. What I won't do is use shielding paint in a vintage instrument. There you go. Good. Take a stand. Yeah. That, now, to me, is Yeah, that's egregious. Stop it. Now, how often do you think you do a good grounding scheme or shielded wire on a guitar instead of having to, you know, use copper foil or something like that, and it has most of the effect you want. Do you ever do that as a solution? Uh, I didn't catch your question. Can you just do it? Is there maybe just a bad ground or bad shield on the wire that's causing a lot of the hum? And if you took care of that rather than foil-lined pit guard or... 
oh, pick up cavities. Like, would that be sufficient? Like, or is that the, the a, cause in some place? Like some, a customer comes to me and says, hey, my guitar has I a want lot you of to, hum. I want you to line this with foil. And you say, oh, how about I just ground one end of your shielded wire? And it's all fixed. Uh, uh, yeah, it's possible. Oh, okay. You know, sometimes there's it could be the hum could be caused by something else. But okay. you just you have to understand, much. like, in a Strat, if you, you shield the cavity, most of that hum is coming from the pickups. Right, it's not coming from the through the wood it's, back of the guitar. It's stuff. not coming from the wiring. Okay. Yeah. I get it. That was a good one. That was Mark. Hi, Eric and Nat. Marcus from Bainbridge Island. Hi, Marcus. I think we know him. Again, looking to check a telebody. And yes, it's nitro. Oh, he's talking about lacquer checking, right? Oh, yeah, check, check. Yeah, not lacquer cracks. Uh, not yeah. confirm. Uh, like price check on aisle, whatever. This is, I want to have those beautiful nitro lacquer checks. Eric, I know you use the freezer method. Could you go over your process again? Mm-hmm. How long you typically, you typically leave it in and how you apply the heat gun after? Is he assuming heat gun? Make a note of that. Yes, be careful not to melt the finish. Does this process require multiple cycles? I see dudes on the interweb heating the guitar first with a heat gun, huh? and then flipping a can of condensed air upside down to rapidly cool. Have you tried this method? Thoughts on this? And is there a fundamental difference, in your opinion, of cool to hot checking versus hot to cool? Hmm. Hope you guys are well, and I always look forward to the podcast. That's Marcus. Thanks, Thanks. Marcus. Yeah. Huh. This gets into a little bit more of an artistic realm rather than a scientific realm. Oh, that's cool. Because lacquer checking is when you when you want it when you want it done with a natural look. Nothing beats patience. Oh no. This can't be done in an afternoon. Well, it can, but it but it won't look natural. Huh. So the compressed air trick, yes, I've tried that absolutely. You can flip a can of compressed air upside down and spray a nitro lacquer guitar, and if it's the right kind of lacquer, it will check. Problem is that it checks in like a spider webbing pattern. Oh, so you don't get no, yeah. you don't get the congruent lines, right? The like vertical lines that that make a cool pattern. You yeah, know, they when, tend to be a little bit parallel. They're not like yeah. a, a rock in a window or something. The yeah. natural lacquer checking that happens over the course of 30, 40 years on a vintage guitar, you've got to be patient if you want that look. So, yeah, I use the freezer method. Um, plus, you know, usually when you're doing this, you're dealing with fresh lacquer. It's not... It hasn't cured for 30 years like right. a vintage guitar. So right. uh, it has to be um, it has to be lacquer that doesn't have plasticizers in it. I use Balin's piano lacquer or Balin's instrument, stringed instrument lacquer. You just gave away the dang secret. Those are good. Um, I like to cut it with a little acetone because the acetone evaporates and helps it... Um, Helps it cure harder and faster. Huh. Yeah. I'll use at, like <clears throat> just straight acetone instead of lacquer thinner. Sometimes I use lacquer thinner too. It depends on what I have. I'm not that picky, but it has to be um, 
you can't spray it on too thick. You have to let it like I'll I do one coat a day for like when I'm painting. Mm-hmm. I'll do a coat a day for like 10, 12 days. Do you have to cure it of, with heat or clear. is it just plain time? Just time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once it's painted, then it needs to cure for another week at least. So Whoa. once you get it to that point, then you're ready to lacquer check. Now, in my experience, and your results obviously might vary because it's going to depend on a lot of different factors like the humidity in the air and how you applied the paint, how thick you applied it, whether the paint was right or not. Wow. But what I typically do is I will um, add a couple little nicks and dings in the edges of the guitar body to kind of seed the process. Oh, it starts it, huh? Yeah. Huh. To kind of give an edge for a lacquer check to start. Oh. See? It also helps if you drill your pick guard holes and all that kind of stuff because that'll that gives you an edge for a yeah for lacquer checking to start. Then you stick it in the freezer. Maybe you put it in there for a day, put it in there overnight. And then what I do, I used to be this just takes time, guys. I used to be a little more impatient, so I'd take it out of the freezer and shoot it with a heat gun and then stick it back in the freezer. I don't like the playing with fire feeling that I get when I'm putting yeah. a, a heat gun on a guitar. On a guitar that you just painted yeah. and took days for and you did such a good job on. Because if you overdo it, if you put the heat gun in one spot a little too much for a little too long, all of a sudden the lacquer will bubble oh, man. and burn and have all kinds of problems and then you lose... Three weeks of work. Yeah, misery. So what I do is I put them in the freezer, maybe for a night, and then I take them out and hang them up on the wall for a night. And then I put them in the freezer the next day. Oh, you cycle it. And then back on the wall. I do this for a week. Whoa. Man. In the freezer, out of the freezer, in the freezer, out of the freezer. Look, this is secrets. Yeah, I've, yeah, I don't think I I've ever gone into this detail yeah, in the podcast Yeah, just gave before. it away. You need to raise your prices more. It took you f- it four or five months to make this dang guitar. So much time. Oh, my gosh. And it's, you know, like you don't have to sit there and watch it. So right. it's not like time consuming, right. but it's just it just takes a long time. Yeah. Uh, you can, um, if you want to get crafty. Who don't? Yeah. What you can do is um, kind of start the process in an inconspicuous spot, like on around the edge or something okay. with the compressed air and then put it in the freezer. But I don't recommend it. Which is kind of a seeding process. Yeah. Get patient. Huh. Get get a ton of patience about this. Yeah. You might put it in and out of the freezer five times before you even see it start lacquer checking. Yeah, I'm out. They got guys for this. I can't. No. And too much guys don't want. Yeah, they want to like take. They they want to lacquer check the thing in a day, in thirty seconds. It's not you can and, do it and have it be done. Yeah, but it won't look right. It won't look real. Whoa. Yeah. Well, how do you like that? That was a great one because I there's something about that process or or checked lacquer. The whole bit is so dang appealing. I think it's great. Yeah, it's fun, and that's why he's asking about that. And and. 
um, that was, you know, it's such an artistic realm. Uh, I think that's neat. Not so mechanical. And you're in the hands of fate. I, that's, that's part of the artistic thing is that you got to yeah. see how this cures and see if you got plasticizers a little too much. Yeah. And, you know, I used to, when I used to take custom orders, I would have a guy that would say, I want the lacquer checking to be horizontal. Yeah, buddy. And I want it <laughs> about an inch apart, you know. Yeah. I want the lacquer. Che- and, dude. I want it let medium me tell you. rare. On the edges. You just can't, um, you yeah. just can't uh, make that happen at will when yeah. you're trying to make it look natural. It's going to check how it wants to check, and it's going to look natural if you take your time with it. Isn't that an interesting definition of natural is it's in the hands of fickle fate, you know? Yeah, that's right. There you go. Yep, I like that subject. Thanks, Marcus. Just FYI, that's the greeting, mm-hmm. just FYI. I purchased a copy of the Solid Sound book after receiving email notice from Fretboard Journal. Hey, that's that's two mentions of the Fretboard Journal. Man, I saw a video the other day. I saw a couple. Gosh, it's a neat magazine and good. I know. Good good people, great guitars. Like the the whole thing. Yeah. I better move on. It was to be delivered today, but instead a postage due envelope for three forty eight was left. Three dollars. And no book, man. And forty eight cents. Three dollars and forty eight No book cents for you. And no book. Not just additional, hey, you should give us just <laughs> if you want your book, uh, yeah, ransom I, note. Hopefully this will resolve smoothly. Yeah. But I thought you should know, as I doubt you intended this to be the case. Oh, right. And yeah, trust me, he he shares your anguish. Best regards, Ken Green. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for ordering the book, yeah. first of all. I really appreciate it. And to everybody who's ordered the book, I, I deeply appreciate it. You can get your copy at solidsoundbook.com if you don't already have one. It's pretty neat. Oh, I poured blood, sweat, and tears into that book. Yeah. Came out great. Thank you. It's nice looking. Good information. It's Thank great. you. Ken ordered a copy and didn't get it. Instead, he got a note yeah. saying, wah, wah. $3.48 <laughs> due. imagine? The utter dismay. Like, I brought yeah. it to your door, but now I think I'm going to write a note instead of just putting it in your slot. Yeah. Ken, this has happened about three times now. I'll and write, I'll write that down in case we need to keep track. It's less than 1% because okay. I've sent out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. I'm not going to say how many. But in the hundreds, not quite the thousands, in the hundreds. And uh, this has ha- only happened about three times. I think what happens is an overzealous postal worker somewhere. There's no other word for it. You de- had to say it. Decides that the flat, because it's a thin, it's, it's a small book. It's like seven by nine. It's not thick. It's like a right. booklet. It fits in a little 7 by 9 flat envelope. Yeah, two-dimensional envelope. Right. I think what happens is some overzealous postal worker somewhere decides that this is a package and not an envelope, when clearly it is not a package. It's a parcel at best. Yeah, it's not even a parcel. It's it's an envelope. (laughs) It really is. It's a fairly sturdy one. It contains a pretty cool book, but yeah. But an envelope... Nonetheless. Absolutely. It only has two sides. Yeah. Right? 
it's not a cube in any way. No, it's barely <laughs> dimensional. And then there's something about you got a big red stamp, yeah, and you got an angry right hand, and you say, you know what? Yeah, you're gonna make that sound with that thing. Good chunk. Postage do overzealous. Postage do. I'm sorry. There's no other way to describe that. But and I'm, I'm I got inclined to believe you. Yeah, and I got to tell you that it's just not the case because that it's not the case that postage should be due because yeah, hundreds and hundreds of these have been delivered with the you know two or three dollar postage. That yeah. I pay for these to ship these things all over this the country. Is statistically insignificant. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Now, it cause for dismay, Ken, but statistically non existent, more or less. Yeah. But for Ken, it's awful. It's very significant yeah, because he turns out to be the, stati- the statistic. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's the fringe case. We don't like it. So, yeah. what I've done, Ken, is I've dispatched a replacement copy to you. There you go. Which should arrive shortly. Now, you can tell them to pound sand with their additional postage because your second one is probably going to show up with no problems. Yeah, we're not including 348 on there, huh? If you get both books, keep them both. If you get none? If you get none, let me know, but I'm telling well, you. Well, I, I was going to offer a pronouncement and say that's prophetic and you got to live with it. But mm. maybe you wouldn't go there. Maybe Eric doesn't say that. That's unauthorized. I went off script. <laughs> it's all right. So I sent Ken a replacement. Well, good. Unless, now, it's possible this has happened a whole bunch of times and nobody ever said anything, but... How could they know? It's awful. It's only been mentioned to me three times out of hundreds of books. If it happened to you, well, drop me a note. I'd like to know. It would be galling, to say the least. But it's interesting how you'd think, you would think that it'd be a pretty streamlined thing. Like, you... I've got a 7 by 9 flat envelope that's kind of stiff, you know, mm-hmm. cardboard, but like... Substantial and slick. It's yeah, great. it's almost more like heavy cardstock than cardboard. Yeah. You would think that you could take that to the post office and have a predictable cost to ship that anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. It's not true. That's too bad. So I, because I've tried, you know, it depends on the postage worker at the time, somehow they're able to pull up these different prices. It could be five bucks, it could be seven bucks, it could be three bucks, it could be two nineteen. Hmm. It just depends on how they feel almost. It's insane. So I end up printing off the postage all on my own in my shop on my computer through Oh uh through the magic of the internet. They got yeah, a thing. Huh? Right. Yeah, because you don't want to be open to the vicissitudes, man. I need consistency. Yeah, you can't open yourself up to that kind of... The only problem with consistency is you still end up having to use the post office, the post postal service. There's a wild card. And there's some guy in a blue uniform with a big red stamp who might see that envelope and decide, this is not an envelope. Yeah. This is a parcel. Everything looks like postage do when you're wielding that thing. Man, it could be a really old person that remembers the way it used to be or a new person that's like, I don't totally understand the ropes. Who knows? Could it be? Is it possible that it's like an automated? Oh, yeah. It's a bot that's like every. And it just kicks out. Just it to has, show it. It has like working. a little metal arm and it just kicks out a yeah, package the, every now the and then. and Asymptotic ends of this Gaussian curve. It's like, yeah. no, 
reject <laughs> for whatever reason it happens, but not yeah. very often. And I sent you a replacement book. Ken, yeah. Thanks for ordering it. One molecule out of line. Yeah. That's a good one. That was fun. Hello, Eric and Nash. I mean, Nate. I mean, Mac. I mean, Nat. <laughs> Nat thinks this is hilarious. <laughs> he loves it when people mangle his name because it I, only happens every day. Uh, hey, and yeah, I ain't, I ain't you, looking for uh, for closure on that thing. That's that's part of life. You would think that Nat, N-A-T, it would be one of the easier names. I think it was better in the 70s. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Since that dang Nat King Cole's gone, everybody's people, over pe- it. People just can't wrap their mind around it. They want to call you Nate. No, try to try to say that over the phone to someone less than 25. Yeah. It happened at the eye doctor because that doctor with the violin scholarship doesn't answer the phones. Sure. So there are vicissitudes there. Thanks for keeping the guitar repair knowledge flowing. Oh, we're back into the question yeah, now. Yeah, we came okay. back. I tried, I tried to rein it in. Yeah, go ahead. I recently acquired a 1973, mm-hmm. that's a borderline case, isn't it? Gibson Les Paul Custom Black Beauty. A black beauty is definitely in quotes, as this guitar is beat to heck with many finish flaws Missing binding. Oh, gosh, that's unsightly. Swapped pickups. Oh, man, I daresn't read on. A refret and several other condition issues that make this true a true player's guitar. It's Handyman Special. I'm fine with all the issues except for one. The finish seems to be breaking down and turning gummy. Oh. Especially on the neck. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. There are large sections of the neck where the finish is gone entirely and several where the black finish is gummy enough that if I press my thumb into it for about five seconds, my fingerprint is stamped into the finish. Yeah. Veritably embossed. Wow. Gummy gummy finish is gross. Oh, yeah. This is not good. This guitar sounds great. Good. But frankly, is not much fun to play at the moment due to the sticky situation. I've wiped the neck down once with naphtha, then Dunlop 65 cleaner slash polish. Oh, it's almost like he listens to the podcast. This guy's keeping up, yeah. But I'm worried I'm making the situation worse. Well, yeah, because nothing's making it better. Do you have any recommendations for stabilizing the finish on this guitar's neck? Or is this the only rem- is the only remedy at this point to completely... Strip the finish and start over. Thanks, Joe in Denver. Howdy, Joe. Ooh, it's traumatizing. He's got a 73 Les Paul custom black uh, beauty. I knew it might have been a borderline case because right about there they had to get the smog equipment on them and different bumpers <laughs> and all kinds of stuff, didn't they? EPA came in and yeah. said, hey. You, Norlin you, came in. You've got to quit making these guitars so nice. smog things in the trunk. I don't know what's going on. Here's my guess, because I've seen this time and time again. Not on just Gibsons, not just Black Gibsons, not just Les Pauls, not, you know, on a lot of guitars, this can happen. Here's my guess. Here's what I think happens, and it happens a lot on guitars with uh, color on the neck. You You know how Fender style guitars are mostly just clear coat on the neck, right? Yeah, you heard a clue in this that I missed. Yeah. His Black Beauty, here's what I think is going on. 
When they painted that guitar, they put on a black undercoat, and then they put on the gloss uh, clear coat over that. I wonder if they lacked patience at any point. Oh, well, it's possible. Mm-hmm. But what, what, what happens, I think, what happens is that the clear coat gets worn away, and then you're left with the black undercoat, and the black undercoat just doesn't have the crystalline structure, the hardness, oh, man. the gloss that the that the uh, clear coat has. So you're left with kind of a gummy undercoat that was never meant to be the finish. Huh. You've worn through the clear coat. Yeah, it's express purpose of that yeah. clear coat, huh? I think that's what's happened is you've worn through the clear coat in places... He sent some pictures. Oh. There's bare wood in spots. Right. You know? And so I was thinking there's this transition area that's yeah. probably troublesome. And it is because it's layered. So like, yeah. for example, Joe, are we talking to Joe? Yeah, Joe, Joe. in Denver. Joe, for example, uh, if you, you, you mentioned you can like put a thumbprint in this stuff. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you did in, that. In the pigment coat, in the black yeah. coat. If you did that in the back of the headstock where there's no natural wear from your hand being right. in contact with it, it wouldn't happen, right? Reason being, there's still clear coat there. It's still intact. The clear coat is is hard, not gummy. Man. So you're down to the color coat. I think that's what's happening. So you can do one of several things. You can live with it. Mm, he's having a hard time with that. You could strip it down even further to bare wood, and then you know that's. But that's got its, Muddle it's got its own. Yeah, that's got its own problems. Yep. You don't really want bare wood guitar neck. Or you could have somebody spray some, spray some black, and spray some clear coat over it. I don't know mm-hmm. if it were me. I I hate messing with the paint on vintage guitars. I'd leave it. Now that's saying a lot because it's not me that has to live with it, Joe. It's you. You have to live with it, so you make the call. But I think that's what's going on with the gummy finish. I think you're through the clear coat, down to the base coat, and it's gummy. It's getting gummy. Well, I think that's that. That was like Angela Lansbury at the Denouement of the Dang Murder. She wrote, "You really (laughs) like that? Really came through? Yeah, I was impressed. I I'm picking up on clues, and I wasn't looking for them. It's almost yeah, yeah." I think you're dead on. Yeah, that was my Columbo moment. Yeah, Uh, that's what I'm talking about. One One more more thing. Just one more thing. (laughs) Yeah. and One uh, more question. Yes, that's it. Uh, Did this, this only happens with the color, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. That was a good one. I don't know if living with it's going to work, but it's not going to get better, is it? Oh, I, I don't mean life in general. I mean just this, the, well, this, this neck. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, I don't know. It's up to you now, Joe. I better retract. But here's the, here's the cool part. Now you have something you didn't have before. Information. You got a diagnosis. Yeah. How about that? Makes us feel better. That's pretty cool. That does it for this episode of the Fret Files podcast. Oh, we hope you had a good time. That's a good one. We had a good time. You bet. Oh, Yeah. It's always a good time. If you want to participate in the show, and, you know, you really should, send in your question or comment. You can do so by going to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link. Fire off a missive, and we'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Send in a voicemail. 
You can call that number any time of night or day. Nobody's going to answer it. It's just a voicemail. 757-774-8482 and leave a message for the show. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks.